This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 23rd, episode 2896, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. We appreciate it. Before we get started with uh, Daily Winnies today, a couple serious things to chat about. Uh, our thoughts are with our friends and listeners in the South, especially Texas, and now last night, New Orleans, and Louisiana, Alabama, all through there. We have a lot of listeners down there. I know I had uh, two Facebook friends, one who was a listener, who lost their homes in Texas on Monday. Uh, so our thoughts and prayers are with you guys, and I know there's a lot of that that happened with these tornadoes. Um, so anyway, we, we just wanted to give our best to everybody in the South. It's not over yet. It's heading into your home state of Georgia and uh, the Carolinas and northern Florida today. So uh, Monday here was bananas. Was I mean, just in Oklahoma, we got two inches of rain in one day. And it's in the world of like, this never happens. Uh, we never we broke a record for rainfall in one day from like 1940, and they're like, "This never." It's happens. hard to imagine because I live in Florida where it rained two inches in an hour. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think it was two inches. I could be wrong, but but what was crazy was my husband, the airline pilot, is based out of Dallas, and he was supposed to come back in on Monday, and all the storms were coming, and he was the last plane able to land in Dallas before they diverted everything because of the weather. And so he calls me as he's getting off the plane. And as I'm talking to him, as he's walking through the airport, you can hear, whoop, whoop, please head to the shelter, please shelter. And so they made everybody in Dallas Fort Worth airport go into a shelter. How tornado big are those shelter. shelters? <laughs> and how, how many are there? Yeah. You know, like, there's That's a lot crazy. of people in that airport all the time. <laughs> I know. I can't imagine the organization that's like has to happen to get everybody into a shelter. But no, he and he would text me. He's like still in the shelter waiting for this to pass. My cousin, they, you know, here in Oklahoma, you have a tornado shelter. Everybody has one. It's just a thing you have to have. And if you don't, you know, your neighbor that does. And so you just go over there. However, my cousin in Dallas had to shelter in her house. She got in the bathtub with her three children. That You know, here in Florida, there's no basements, you know. No. And we, we just, it's the innermost room, and then you pray, you know. It's like. Yeah, put a mattress over your head. Yeah, like that's yeah. going to help. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it was definitely scary. Does he, I, I have to think about pilots. I mean, we've all flown around thunderstorms, especially at night when they're very dramatic, but. I, do they get nervous flying in storms like that? You know, that's a great question. I, I, you know, they train for emergencies 
it's the stuff that he has had to figure out how to do. So like he has to go to like requalify constantly. Um, and so just so you know, your pilots are incredibly well-trained if they're with American airlines and the big American companies, Delta, American, United, Southwest, all that stuff. Oh my God. He will have a simulation where they'll throw five emergencies at them at once. And usually you would only have in real life one, but he has to learn how to navigate around five. So yes, they are very incredibly well trained for things like this. And a lot of times when you're in the plane, you don't even know it, but your pilot is going around storms. Like they won't fly through a storm. They'll either go above it or around it. And so sometimes you really see that at night. You know, when yeah. you can see the lightning off in the distance. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, I, I think half the time we don't even notice. Like, all of a sudden the flight, you're like, how did we not get, we're 20 minutes late. Yeah. What do we do? It's because they went around a storm. So it is, everything is very, like, I call it like if there's freeways in the sky. And they have people that tell them where they can go. I mean, five feet above and five feet below. Everything is choreographed. I don't know. Those people that work. Oh, the flight controllers. The flight controllers. (laughs) I don't know how those people do it because it seems like the most stressful job in the world. Not to mention people that do schedules. Oh, God. I can't. It's just got to be so difficult. When you bring up that map map of all the planes in the air at once, it's just ridiculous. I mean. It's solid. It's It's solid. (laughs) It's all orchestrated to the exact second when they're going to land, when they're going to take off, when they're do the thing. It's it's pretty intense. And when things change, like there's a problem with an aircraft, all of that gets redone. And so they've got to be just constantly redoing it. I I can't. um, No, that's not a job I can handle. Too stressful. I'm glad we have pilots like your husband out there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like I said, the pilot, I think, is the easy job. I think it's the people on the ground that really have it hard. (laughs) Our thoughts were with everybody. Keep your heads down today. Uh, Also, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Ukraine, uh, the horse kind of give a horse welfare update. Uh, I talked about last week that the FEI had a fundraiser going, and they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, now. And uh, so just over a week after launching, the British equestrian organization uh, has a Ukraine uh, fundraiser going, and they raised themselves over 100,000 pounds in donations, along with 90,000 pounds of feed and bedding. And that's nine lorry loads that are on the route to Poland right now. The Ukrainian Equestrian Federation said the situation is exceptionally challenging and constantly evolving and thanked everyone for their patience, adding that the collaborative efforts from a number of organizations are beginning to have an impact for those who need help. Uh, They went on to name a couple of them, British Equestrian, the FEI, Finnish Equestrian, the Federation apparently has really come Uh, to play World Horse Welfare and a couple of others. They said the first horses left Ukraine and arrived at a holding hub in Poland on Saturday, March 19th. And there are horses now exiting the country every day. And they're 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 on their way to stables in different countries that have volunteered to take in horses. Um, so there's a lot of donations heading that way for the horses. Now, it's not all good news. Uh, you know, the, you can read reports. Uh, not, we're not going to go over them here. But uh, it's not all good news for the horses there. But at least some of them are getting out at this point, you know, along with the millions of refugees and people that are getting out. Uh, I did, one of my uh, Facebook friends that I've known for a long time, his father is a veterinarian. 
And he's part of that World Veterinarian Organization. Mm-hmm. And they are apparently like 50 vets have descended on Poland and they're handling all of the small animals that people are bringing out themselves, carrying out. Um, so they're actually doing work for free with all of the s- small animals that they can that are coming out of the Ukraine. Wow. So there's a lot of stuff going on that you don't see. Yeah, I mean, we see all the bad reports, obviously, but there's also a lot of good stuff that's going on around the edges, and hopefully it's helping. In like Mr. Rogers way. says, look for the helpers. They're That's there. the only way to make your way through this is just look for the helpers. And I know a lot of you have donated, uh, you know, directly to people and horses and animals. Uh, so thank you for doing what you can for them as well. Well, in our Daily Dose health segment today, we're going to change gears a little bit, and we're going to, Jennifer got a chance to catch up with John Eberth, and he's been researching dwarfism in horses as part of, uh, part of his PhD, and he's going to share some of his findings, and the, I don't know that that's something that we've ever talked about here on the show, so if you're interested in finding out what happens and how they happen and all of that, uh, he, Jennifer's going to be bringing that to you a little later in the show. Jill Stanford of Cowgirl in the Kitchen brings us a monthly recipe using leftover Easter ham. And I have a study show, and we have other horsey nonsense. And then in the Auditor Post show, we're going to do some weird news for you today. You have some, I assume. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> so there's still weird news in the world. <laughs> Did that daily Winnie Winnie sound broken to you? I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded fun here. Uh, birthdays. We have otters with birthdays today. Juniper Dunn, Christina Gerald, Radley Watkins. Rad, we haven't heard from you in a while. What's up? Jessica Troop, our friend who actually came up and helped with the house. Thank you, Jessica. And Laura Blankenship. Happy birthday to all of you. Man, I got a busy day today, Glenn. Um, I'm having, I have two horses that are here for uh, training from the rescue. And we had a pre-purchase for one scheduled for Monday. Obviously, weather did not permit that. Turns out sideways rain, jogging horses and flexing them in the, in the rain. hail isn't good And hail is not, not awesome. So you know, this wussy vet decided to like reschedule. Tornadoes whatever. kind of uh, interrupt the jog. I had to, I had to, and the, the, the person who is potentially adopting the horse is up in Connecticut. And I had to tell her, I was like, um... So we're going to have to reschedule. And she's like, what's up? And I'm like, mm, lightning storm. Going to have to, yeah, going to have to go in. <laughs> not not going to be able to do this today. So today is rescheduled. And this is a horse named Mega Honor. And he is just awesome. I'm so excited for whoever gets him. He's very, he's a fancy, fancy one. And then uh, the other horse, Criminal, who has been here, Criminal came. And Criminal is a cribber, but it is 100% control. If he's wearing a strap around his neck. He doesn't crib. Second you take it off, he's like, I'm a cribber. But then you put it back on, he's like, I don't crib. What are you talking about? <laughs> so he's it's completely controlled with the cribbing strap. And I, I find cribbing to be one of the most frustrating things. I want to get somebody on to talk about cribbing because I, this is uh, – 
pretty much a new experience for me. Uh, well, with we had having... one at the barn we were at before, uh, and she just cribbed all the time. It's hard to watch. Well, it's hard to watch, but again, like, what in this horse's brain? This strap isn't really preventing the horse from doing it, but the horse, like, it's like a dog with a shock mm-hmm. collar on. You don't, you know, it's like well behaved with the collar on, but you take it off and they're like, <laughs> watch this. So I've never seen this, like, so controlled with a, a strap. But yeah, anyway, so many people don't want to use them. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Put that strap that puppy on. Well, of course, he lost the strap in the pond, rolling in my pond. So I've got one of my... You didn't go and look for it? uh, Believe it or not, no. No. And then we got all this rain. And so now the pond's totally full. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be fishing in six years and pull up that thing. Lucas can be like, need to get Lucas a snorkel. Uh, So gross in that pond. Oh, my God. So gross. So uh, now he's wearing... Because I had to Amazon a new cribbing strap. It doesn't come till tomorrow. Tomorrow or today. So currently he's wearing a green guard muzzle. <laughs> but anyway, somebody's oh, coming to see him today. Exactly. You know what? It sort of works. It sort of doesn't. Uh, <laughs> but he's uh, he, he's going to get uh, somebody's going to come look at him today. So I'm really I'm pleased that two of these guys may potentially have homes this week. It's a, it's a, it's a busy day for me, for sure. Good. Yay. All right. Well, I'll take some of the pressure off you this morning uh, because uh, yeah. I have a study show for you. Oh, good. Because I have to go to the dentist today and I am um, like my let my palms are see. already sweaty. So let if you can make... see if I have any dentist studies. Today. I do not have any teeth studies. <sighs> OK, today, good. So God, I the hate hook. the dentist. <laughs> do you want to guess clean, today? But it's so stressful. Get your hands out of my face. <laughs> I know. <laughs> then you bleed for an hour. Um, so oh, so I have to go to the doctor today, too. So we're both in good shape. Uh, so do you want to guess or do you want me to just tell let you? Let me guess. Right. Come on. Okay, studies show that you get what kind of results from reading? By the way, let me explain study show for new listeners. Once a month, I do study show where I actually Google study show and put in the last month, look at the news, and we find out what ridiculous studies we have spent lots of money on that we could have given to Jamie and I and you uh, to do something fun with our horses. But no, we had to spend millions of studies we already know the answer to. So if we already know the answer, then obviously reading, you get positive results in your brain from reading. Correct. I don't know how you ever guessed that. Studies show positive benefits to mental health from reading. The studies show that even six minutes of reading could reduce stress. Now, I think if you're reading about the war in Ukraine, that's probably not true. I think there's – I didn't read the study because I never do, but I think probably there's some – certain kind of reading that would help you better than other kinds. And it said 30 minutes of reading is equivalent to doing 30 minutes of yoga. Now, what? I, I, know, I know. Maybe for your brain, but definitely not, <laughs> not for, for your, your body. body. <laughs> I know. And again, I think it depends on what kind of reading you're doing. Um, there were three different studies that came out this month about breakfast. Now, do you think they proved that breakfast was the most important meal of the day or not? Okay, so we've got three studies. Three different ones. Okay, so one study shows breakfast is the most important meal of the day. 
another study shows you should skip breakfast because that's part of that intermittent fasting thing, right? Yeah. And then another study said you should have a light breakfast. Well, that's normally how things go with studies show. All right. Oh. But actually, they all agreed. And they all said that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Now, I think if you're having Lucky Charms, it probably takes some of that away. Although I didn't read the study, so I have no idea. It's so having a cliff bar at 1030 in the morning isn't the healthiest thing for me? I think that probably counts. Okay, um, but then you do eat eggs, right? Um, or not now. Tell Sometimes. me you eat eggs. You have a million chickens. I hate eggs. They're so <laughs> gross. Eggs are disgusting. <laughs> okay. Um, now, you. I reported last week the best news for horse people ever was that they're looking at keeping, you know, daylight savings time, that whole thing, you know, not changing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet, there were two studies, I'm just going to have to tell you this, that said that that's bad for our health, that we should keep changing. What yep. you mean? You mean everybody wants it dark at five o'clock? Uh, apparently, crazy. our bodies do, according to the studies. That is a lie. <laughs> studies show this is a ridiculous one. Uh, studies show that increased flooding will what to communities? Increased flooding will harm communities. Yeah, that's what the study actually showed. Studies show increased flooding will disproportionately impact communities that are flooded. Oh, my God. That is really (laughs) valuable information. I'm so glad they studied that. I hope they didn't spend money on that, baby. Okay, I have two sexual ones here. Um, Studies show that sex can help you sleep better or not sleep better. Are you leading the witness here? <laughs> That's the just, those are the two options. It's like a yes or a no. It's sleep. You sleep better. Yes. That's exactly what the studies show. Now, again, I think we could have answered that one without any help. Um, and uh, <laughs> does, this is something that Dr. Wendy has talked about on this show. Ginseng, everybody knows that it, quote unquote, is an aphrodisiac. And actually, she talked about that in relation to horses, too. Um, but This study actually studied ginseng, and does it help sexual function or not? Well, I'm assuming it's going to be the opposite of what we know this time, the way you're you're leading the witness on all of these. (laughs) So? I mean, I would say it helps. It does. That's correct. Sexual function improves significantly with ginseng. Dr. Wendy answered that one 10 years ago on this show, so we didn't need to study it. Could have just given her the money. Okay, so a new study looked at over 36,000 adults. And what they found is going from, you're not going to like this one. <laughs> going, as a matter of fact, a lot of you listening are not going to like this one. 36, this is a big study, 36,000. Usually the studies that we talk about are hundreds or tens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> tens. <laughs> this study looked at 36,000 adults and found that going from one to two alcoholic Drinks a day causes something to happen. Remember what we talked about earlier that helps you sleep better? Mm. Yeah, that's what I would go with. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it It leads to activities that make you sleep better. (laughs) That's true, too. That's another study. Uh, This one said that going from one to two alcoholic drinks per day, it didn't specify which alcohol, uh, is linked to a shrinking of your brain equivalent to two years of aging. 
Well, I don't understand. So every night you have two drinks, you lose two years of your life? I think you use two years of your life if you have two drinks every night. If you have one, apparently you're fine. But two, over the top, and you're losing brain matter. You know what? Two, uh, I, like, am I 90 or am I 40? It, <laughs> you know, that's what I want to know. Like, if I'm 90, I'm cool with that. I I'm cool with that. Study. But if I'm like, if it's going to take me in my 40s, I'm going to cut back. So, you know what? I'll just wait for the next study next month that comes out to tell me the complete opposite. Exactly. That's exactly what will happen. How many alcohol ones have we had? Millions of studies about alcohol. All right. So now I, I did look at this study. You know, I always look at one. And the one I looked at, and this is, this was more, uh, it was less of a study, although it did show up that way. It's five, and Jamie and I have trouble sleeping. Sleeping is not our strong point. Um, We've talked about this on the show many times. Five sleep myths that may be keeping you from a good night's rest. Now, these are myths, and I'm going to tell you whether they're true or false, okay? okay? So you can see what you're doing wrong. Is it a myth or a fact that I'm going to give myself a point for each one that I do? Okay. If you lie in bed long enough, you'll fall asleep. That's the myth. Is that true or false? That's definitely false. <laughs> You're exactly right. Living, it, it does say when it comes to sleep no-nos, experts say this is a big one. Lying in bed, even with your eyes closed for more than 15 to 20 minutes, is one of the worst things you can do because it trains your brain to associate the bed with lack of sleep. That's stupid. Carry on. Next. <laughs> so you don't, do you lay there or do you get up and do something? That's apparently what it's saying is you should just. So I have the blue light on my phone turned off. And so when I can't sleep, I pick up my phone and I play word or like some sort oh, of word game. Myth or fact. Perfect lead in. You shouldn't check your smartphone if you wake in the night. I'm not checking <laughs> my smartphone because that leads to stress. But what I do 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 is I play a word game to relax my brain. You know, the other thing that really works for me too is if I'm laying in bed and I'm laying there with my eyes closed and I can't sleep, I'll watch a movie in my head. Now, what I mean by that is I like say pride. I've watched pride and prejudice with Kira Knightley about 6 million times. <laughs> so I can imagine her walking through the laundry with her book, read her book. She walks inside. Mr. Mr. Bingley has made an appearance. He's going to come out blah, 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 and I do the whole movie. And by about a third of the way through, I'm asleep. And there you go. Whatever. Which works. is what happens when I watch it. This <laughs> is so why I watch it six million times. By the way, it's a fact you shouldn't check your smartphone uh, in the middle of the night, which all of us do. And uh, they actually. Remember, you can turn off the blue light completely on your phone. I just turned I mine upside down. I learned that from Ted Coffin. So I just do that upside down. But it does say, and I'm guilty of this too, it does say you shouldn't even bring your. Your, your smartphone shouldn't be in the bedroom. It should. Be I do bedroom. have it on Do Not Disturb, so if I anything do that. comes up. Yeah. And it does say you also shouldn't look at it an hour or so before bed, which, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Sleep myths that may be keeping you from a good night's rest. Exercising in the evening will disrupt sleep. Okay. Well, Is that a I'm myth gonna... or a fact? Uh, I think that that's a myth. You're right. You're right. It says basically exercise anytime. As long as you're getting exercise, it has more benefits. It just makes you tired. Yeah, exactly. I think exercise, you know, we all, when we work at the barn and we're cleaning stalls and we work hard all day, putting hay up or whatever, we all sleep better. So exercise obviously makes you sleep better. And the last one, you can catch up on sleep on the weekends. I think that's true. 
That's false. Sadly, what? you can't catch up on sleep. There's no such thing as catching up on sleep. You're just not getting a good like night's a bank, sleep. A bank of... <laughs> there's not a bank of sleep. That doesn't work. Oh. So, no, you can't catch up well, on sleep. Well, you know what? I'll just wait till next month till they tell me there is. You just basically had a good night's sleep. And you're not making up for the nights you didn't have good night's sleeps. So, that's what they're saying. So, there you go. There's your myths and your facts. You got them almost all right, I think. Good for you. Do you know, Stateline Tech is coming up. Uh, what is it? A month yeah, it's almost a month now till April 28th through May 1st. You know what happens then? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I'm so excited. <laughs> Land Rover. Whoop, whoop. I just got an email about the open barn and barbecue at New Vocations. I'm totally going to go to that. It's going to be awesome. Oh, Maybe that's what we can do. Remind me to sign up your press passes. I think that's now open. So remind me to do that. Yes, you have to do that. I've, I've, I've sent that information to you. Yes, but they, I couldn't do it. They weren't open. They they opened them late this year. So remind me to do that after the show so I don't forget. So yeah, Land Rover's coming up at Stateline Tech. It's going to be there. They have one of the largest booths at Land Rover. They're always in the old indoor up in the top level. You can find them there. They take up about 25 booths. They bring tons of stuff. They're going to be doing 50% off Gatsby, DaVinci, Oak Brands, and 80% off Khaki. So go check them out. See what they what they have on sale. And uh, definitely you want to save your money. You all haven't been there in two years, so I hope you're saving your money for all the stuff you get to buy. So that's going to be coming up. Also, StatelineTech.com has one of the largest selection of online items available to you. Head on over to StatelineTech.com. They have something new on the homepage almost every day, so check it out today. StatelineTech.com, and if you're going to Kentucky, check them out there. Now coming up, our health segment is brought to you by Daily Dose Inquine. Coach Jen had a chance to catch up with John Eberth, and he is a Ph.D. candidate at the University of Kentucky's Gluck Equine Research Center, and he has been researching dwarfism in horses as part of his Ph.D. So let's hear what he had to say about dwarfism in horses. Well, I'm very happy to welcome to the show Dr. John Eberth, who is a PhD candidate at the University of Kentucky's Gluck Equine Center. And he is here to chat with us a little bit about minis, but not the kind of minis you and I love to go, ah, when we see videos on YouTube. These are the kind of minis that are actually genetically altered, genetically messed up. They're called dwarfs. And Dr. Eberth is doing all kinds of interesting research into this problem. So thanks for joining me on the show today. Absolutely. So first, can you define what is a dwarf as far as equines are concerned? What makes something a dwarf? Well, dwarfism in general, referring to a diseased growth pattern, like you would see in any other species, also in equines, you're looking for something that is um, not in proportion. So you do have dwarfism that is proportional dwarfism, and that exists. There are some diseased uh, instances within the humans. However, dwarfism mainly has to deal with disproportionate body parts. Let's just keep it that way. So you have... Legs that are extremely shortened. Uh, you have certain other parts that are larger than they should be. And so those are the things that you would instantly look at an individual, a horse individual, and, and say, okay, if we're looking at miniatures, the whole ideal of miniature is a horse in miniature. So you would expect proportion. You would expect 
a horse in miniature, and everything is proportionate but smaller. However, with dwarfism in the miniatures, you do have smallness. You do have extreme smallness, in fact. However, those proportions are now gone. You have very, very short legs, a enlarged cranium, um, not necessarily an enlarged body, but a, a body that has um, a larger abdomen and certain other uh, structural issues that are due to the bone malformations. And so that really, when you look at dwarfism in miniatures, you're looking at disproportionate issues. So body parts that are disproportionate. So why is it that, and, and we've all, we've all seen the, the, pictures of the dwarf minis with these little tiny short legs. And they look a little bit like what we used to call Thelwell ponies in that the little tiny short legs, ginormous manes mm-hmm. and big heads. And it looks like they have giant pot bellies. What, what causes the giant pot belly look? Actually, that is a good question. Think about with dwarfism, the, the disease involves bone. So you have bones that don't grow the proper length or size. Well, the disease does not involve any soft tissue. So your organs are still the same size. So you have an adult miniature horse that might, let's say, be 34, 35, or 36 inches tall. However, the internal organs... Are, are the same as, let's say, if it had a dwarf, let's say there was an offspring that was a dwarf, you would look at, okay, that horse might end up being close to that same size, but the internal organs are not affected. So most dwarves, their large abdomens are really due to the normal-sized organs within the body. Um, there are some issues with, obviously, uh, GI tract problems due to the, the mashing of, <laughs> of organs in a very small space. So lack of, of um, uh, gastrointestinal flow is restricted and things like that. So a lot of dwarfs end up having gastrointestinal issues are susceptible to colic, things like that. Very similar to what you would find in cattle, actually. Dwarfism in cattle um, that was well known within Angus and other uh, Hereford breeds of the 60s and 70s and, and the 50s. That those dwarfs, they ended up because they are ruminants, they would be bloated and the gas would not be able to be released. And so, dwarves cattle would need to have their their intestines um, released for their gas, else they would literally explode. Ew. And so, yeah, their their inter, their their intestines would stretch and and become susceptible to to rupture because their gas was so was would, retained so stuck. much. And so, are so there are we, there other we, health we, are there we, other <laughs> health problems that one might see besides gastrointestinal problems for an animal yes, that has been yes. afflicted with dwarfism? Yeah, yeah. In fact, the actually the most um, common problem with dwarves in, in uh, caring for them is lack of nutrition. People not only don't might not feed them enough, 
just because they're small doesn't mean that their metabolism and their needs are that small. The other thing is, is that their teeth, because their bone growth is abnormal, their jawbone growth will be abnormal, and most all of them have an off, offset bite. So it's either uh, a severe underbite or some other malformation of the molars. And so what would happen is that due to the chewing and the wear and tear of the teeth, the teeth would not wear properly and it would cause hooks and and what what would be referred to as a locked jaw where they would have very restrictive movement. That would not allow them to obviously chew their food well enough. So they would literally not get enough food in. They literally don't get enough food in and they need much more maintenance for their teeth than a normal horse would. So malnutrition is really the biggest problem in dwarfism uh, other than the teeth, the management of the teeth and the the hooves. The hooves, they can be, nowadays they have uh, little glue-on shoes that really help with dealing with the leg malformations and helping keep their hooves growing properly. Um, but there's really the only thing you can do with teeth is constant uh, management of the teeth to make sure they have freedom of movements so they can literally chew enough food so they can eat and feeding them enough. Isn't that interesting? So they have a s- caloric needs appropriate for their size, but getting Correct. those nutrients into them because they have difficulty consuming foods can be a real challenge. So. Is feeding a dwarf horse, whether it's of a miniature horse breed or other breeds, because there are other breeds that that genetically carry the dwarf genes, um, Frisians being one of them, and I'm sure there's others that mm-hmm. I don't know about, um, is feeding them during their growth years as, as babies, does that differ or is it more critical to feed them properly because of these potential bone problems? Is the, in other words, the, does nutrition play a role? Can you help avoid some of these problems by giving them the appropriate nutrition, or is it going to happen, period? The, the abnormal growth is going to happen, period, and the abnormal um, wear and tear of the hooves and the teeth are going to happen no matter what. You're, you're not, unfortunately, going to be able to stop the abnormal growth of the legs, the joints, and the mandible um, What's going to happen is is that your management, starting early, especially with the legs, um, that would help minimize the uh, joint and leg malformation growth as as the dwarf baby grows. And so, obviously, keeping the hooves trimmed and and actually, you know, having some sort of shoes to to help them keep better angles on their legs and better angles on their hooves um, will minimize the the malformation occurrence doesn't change the disease genetic but it it will minimize the leg malformation because if you just let it go let's just say for instance you just let it go and you trimmed your feet as the best you could but you just let it go and the the bones and the joints are going to has severe consequences in in rotation and and fusion of some of the joints just because of the disease and the progression of the disease. Whereas if you could manage it 
you can at least minimize the rotation and the turn and the angles that, that occur due to the genetic disease. Same thing with the teeth. You can manage it uh, more aggressively, you know, manage, uh, have their teeth filed, you know, more than twice a year, usually of every couple of months would be good. Um, the caloric needs, making sure that you understand a pot belly is not a fat dwarf. Um, they're going to have a pot belly no matter what. The most important thing is feeling the musculature across the back in the hips and the shoulder and the neck. Thin, a thin horse is very evident there. And so, you know, a, 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 it would be better to have a heavy dwarf than a very malnutrition dwarf. They already have issues gastrointestinally anyways. And so it would be much better to make sure they're fed well than, than worrying about underfeeding them. Well, that's real. That's really interesting. So how does one guard against ending up with now, 100% of of horses that are afflicted with dwarfism don't necessarily have the full complement of health issues. With When you have a dwarf, obviously you're not going to want to use it as breeding stock. How does this end up happening where you end up with, because I'm guessing that if you have a dwarf that's severely afflicted, that dwarf is not going to be a good candidate to be a broodmare because things aren't going to fit. So they end up, you end up with... Um, Stallions who are dwarfs that end up passing along the genetic code that creates more dwarfism. Well, you what in 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 miniatures and and in Frisians and in Shetlands, the there's there's different mutations. The the Frisians have a mutation in a completely different gene than the smaller horse breeds. The the uh, there's a mutation called skeletal atavism. It's um, a actually there's two mutations involved in that disease. It involves uh, malformations of the legs where the body is normal in miniatures and ponies. The head is normal, um, but the legs are severely affected. The, the upper um, bones of the legs. Uh, that in and of itself is a a different disease, and it is recessive. And so you have carriers, so they look normal but they carry this recessive disease gene. Uh, that The Friesians is also recessive. The uh, disease that, that I worked on for my master's was with gene involved in Agrican, which is actually the gene that, in, that uh, encodes for cartilage that turns into bone. So it affects uh, a lot of the long bones and other bones within the body that uh, have a major part of growth. Uh, so what what that entails is, and that was that's recessive too. And there's multiple mutations within that gene. So all these recessive diseases can have carriers. So they look completely normal. Now that in and of itself, um, you know, you you would unwillingly or unknowingly breed. Um, a carrier to another carrier, and about 25% chance you're going to possibly have a dwarf. And so now that diseased individual is homozygous for those diseases, and that's all the it has. So it's going to, if you dis- ever bred that, 
it would always pass on those mutations to every individual. So it is never recommended to breed these individuals. The reason is, uh, number one, for mares that are dwarfs, it would be basically a death sentence. Um, they would likely not be able to even carry the fold of term and let alone deliver it without um, some sort of dystocia. The stallions um, physically could breed if they were able to accomplish uh, the process if they were tall enough and could manage that because a, a, a dwarf, and even in comparison to a normal size mini, a dwarf is substantially smaller and restricted in size. And so the physical aspect of trying to use dwarfs to reproduce are actually very, very difficult. If you physically difficult to try to do that, but you know, the carriers are the ones that normally they, the, the people would never even think that they have a carrier until they have a dwarf by chance. And so that's where people then say, okay, do I want to continue breeding this carrier? Um, yeah, there's a lot of discussion about that. It's it's the the mentality or the thought process is very similar to what the quarter horses experience with HYPP. You know, it's you know we have a disease. The these horses have this mutation. Do I want to continue to breed it and things like that? Um, and so you know what the associations for the breeds have decided is yes, you have the option to manage your horses according to your preferences, but your horse would have labeled on its registration paper a carrier, very similar to what, what is done with HYPP. So that's where people then can make a decision. Yes, my horse is a carrier, but I want to make sure I breed that carrier to a, a stallion that is not a carrier and vice versa. So I have a mare that's normal, I theoretically could breed to a carrier stallion if the, if they desired. So that's kind of where the management aspect is as a breeder comes into play with dealing with this disease within the industry. Um, yes, there are people that that have dwarfs that um, have tried to breed them and stuff like that, but it is really not recommended just for the sheer fact of um, the physical aspects of delivery and, and carrying a foal for especially the mares, the dwarf mares, it's, it's very, very unlikely that they would survive it. Yeah. Can the genetic defect that causes the various types of dwarfism, can it be detected in any horse? Can it always be detected if you do a, te- a DNA test? Yeah, in, in horses in, in horses of the breed that would genetically, for instance, like miniatures or minis or pony crosses, things like that, you would expect to uh, have that mutation within that breed. Um, there's not a breed, a large horse breed known to have those mutations, um, no different than with the Frisian. There's no breed known to have that same mutation. Um, 
skeletal atavism uh, that's seen in the miniatures and the ponies. That's not seen in any other horse breed. So there has been there's been testing done of numerous other horse breeds of large numbers to see by chance are those mutations in other breeds and they're not. And so these are breed specific mutations, no different than the HYPP. So HYPP is unique to the quarter horses and quarter horse crossed breeds. Right. Right. So. So that that's where you have mutations that by chance occurred after those breeds were originated. Established, yeah. 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 How interesting. So for, for somebody who wants to learn a little bit more about this because maybe they're interested in minis, maybe they're interested in Frisians, maybe they're just interested in the topic, do you have any suggestions on finding good um, data or research online? Yeah, actually, um, there's quite a lot of information just on, off of off of Googling miniature horse dwarfism um, and Frisian dwarfism. There's you, there would be quite a lot pop up, and that is scientifically based. That's usually breed published information within the breeds uh, to try to educate the buyers and owners, and also new people that want to that are thinking about getting involved in, in that certain breed. There's, it's something that we, with me, I grew up in the miniatures and the ponies. And so I, in fact, you know, dealt with this when I was younger and my family had miniatures and we had a, a pretty large horse farm. And so I knew about this when I was growing up. And so that in and of itself has quite a lot of people it's not something that is has been ignored or anything it's just that you know there are aspects within every breed um you know arabians have certain issues there's other breeds that have certain issues and so whenever you are interested in in a certain horse breed you you really want to do the best you can and and just look up what you can online and Actually, the breed registries and the breed associations are really good about providing information about their breed, whether, you know, it would be something genetic or something that would have to do with any other type of management that you would need to know to be educated to be in that breed. They usually are really good about providing that kind of information. Really cool. Well, thank you very much, Dr. John Eberth, for hanging out on the show with me today and telling us all about dwarfism and horses. Well, thank you very much for having me. So I'm so happy to be hanging out here with Janet Geyer, who is the mad scientist behind Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds. And I just saw coming across my newswire recently that all of the Daily dose equine horse feeds are now non-GMO verified through the non-GMO project. Tell me what that means. Well, for simplicity, it means that the place where the feed is made has been certified to be non-GMO and that all the ingredients are traceable back to the original place where they came from and they are all certified non-GMO because of that. It also means that there are no uh, chemicals that are added into the feed uh, through the growing process or the manufacturing process. And it particularly means that 
there is no Roundup. That that's um, big because that's a real it's a really common product that is used in the agricultural industry and it is used on okay. animal feed. So that's a that's a pretty big deal. Right. So right. they do allow a certain amount of uh, Roundup to be in animal feed, but our feeds have zero. How many different horse feed formulas does Daily Dose Equine currently have? We have four feeds and four forage balancers, uh, six of which are carried by Chewy. There we go. So if you need to learn more about Daily Dose Equine horse feeds or you want to find a local dealer near you, you can go to www.dailydoseequine.com or if you want to just shop around for, for horse feed from Daily Dose Equine, place an order and get fast and convenient delivery nationwide, you can do that at Chewy.com. Well, coming up next is Jill, our cowgirl in the kitchen. She joins us once a month to give us a recipe. And last month, she had these potato things that Jamie tried. Oh, my God, they were so good. I, I never would have thought to put to potatoes in a crock pot, but because usually you're like sitting there if they're in the oven and you have no check them and make sure uh, this was put them in the crock pot and walk away. And exactly. I, I, they, that was the best potato I've ever had. I'm sorry. It was. I'm so glad to hear that. Wow. Oh, and even I think- my son and husband liked him and my son is eight and he's picky. So even he liked it. <laughs> I think we had a bunch of auditors try it too. And now we, we, I finally found the crock pot again after we moved. So I'm going to give it a try. I bought some potatoes specifically to try this. So yeah, okay. We want to hear about it. If you go to, uh, if you go just search for Jill Charlotte Stanford in our, uh, Go to our website and search that. You'll bring up the uh, recipe for last month, and you can check that out. But you have a brand new one for us coming up, and you were thinking ahead because Easter is right around the corner. I don't even know when yes, Easter is. is this month. Is it early or yes, late it in, is. in April? I don't know. It's uh, always early or late. It's never <laughs> on the same day. No. That's why it's a little confusing. But it is fun to you know to kind of look ahead. And I think that most people have a traditional... Easter dinner of ham and scalloped potatoes and maybe some fresh asparagus, you know, things like that. But, you know, there was a famous cookbook author who said the definition of eternity is one ham and two people. Oh, my God. That is so true. (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) That ham will last you a month. You're going to be so sick of ham. It goes forever and ever. So you have it with scrambled eggs, and you you try it maybe – some other way, but my sister, who is my co-author of the upcoming book that's coming out, uh, The Cowgirls Cook for the Great Outdoors, came up with an awfully good, delicious, and simple recipe to use up the leftover ham, That it's, and it's a completely different take on it. So here we go. You need three cups of white or brown rice, three tablespoons of vegetable oil, quarter of a cup of ham diced, you can use a little more if you want, two eggs beaten with one tablespoon of water, a quarter cup carrots peeled and diced, a quarter cup celery, the string removed and diced, a half cup sweet onion diced, and a quarter of a cup frozen peas, a quarter of a cup green onions chopped, and two to four tablespoons, are you ready, soy sauce or more to taste. In a large saute or frying pan, saute the carrots, celery, and onions in the oil until they're all nice and soft. 
add the frozen peas, and then move all these cooked vegetables to one side of the pan. Pour the eggs into the space created and cook as if you would be scrambling the eggs, and then combine them with the vegetables. Add the ham and the green onions and heat through. Add the rice and combine with the other ingredients, and then start adding the soy sauce to taste two tablespoons at a time. When it tastes just right, heat it thoroughly. This is very good, served with a fruit salad. And I think you could serve it the next day or the day after, and everybody's going to like it very much. Basically, it's ham fried rice. And I have made this. This is one of my favorite things to do with ham after. And it's also, if I have leftovers, the nice thing about fried rice is whatever you have left, vegetable-wise, meat-wise, whatever, you can make fried rice with it. It's perfect. It's always just perfect. Perfect. So I'm glad that she thought of that. I said, you know, we need we need to come up with something that isn't just going to be scalloped potatoes with leftover ham, you know, or something like that. And she she said, well, let me let me play around with that. And this is what she came up with. And I think, as I said, it's a nice nice change from the taste of the ham from Easter. So it's a completely different taste. Now the so other there thing, you go. The other thing I've done, we, I've made it exactly with these ingredients before. And one of the things when I didn't have peas is I would replace it with green beans. Um, that is a really good idea. Because green beans and ham go together anyway, right? So, um, Absolutely. So I'd replace it. Now, I made it, uh, by the way, we're going to put this recipe in the show notes so you don't have to remember it. Don't worry about that. It'll be right in your show notes right there on your phone. And I know a lot of you try the recipes we do every month, and, and this would be a good one. The other thing, I made the mistake, Jill, of buying low-sodium soy, soy sauce. Now, it was awful. <laughs> That's all I have here. Oh, oh it's awful. I have, when I have to add salt after putting on soy sauce, you know that I it's agree. awful. Oh, I agree. It I agree. A, isn't soy yes, sauce it. for the salt? That's why you have soy sauce. That's right. And you know, you and you're not eating it every day by the right. gallon. So you're not going to drop dead from heart attacks. You know, use the real thing I, in everything. <laughs> you're I outvoted think. on this one, Jamie. You Don't actually use any. the low sodium? Oh, that stuff is I I've, I've never bought the red. I always buy the green. Really? Yes. I Try try the red just, and let us know. Listen, I'm going to keep my husband from having hypertension, okay? <laughs> yeah, we don't want the pilot flying around with high blood pressure. So. Green That's true. Is, no. is, is the go-to in this house. But, you, you know, here's the thing is I would try that and I would like it better. So then I would use it more. So I'm just going to keep the one we kind of I think really it's what you're yeah. used to, too. I, yeah. I, I had never had the low sodium. And I didn't realize I had bought low sodium. And I after... I had fried rice, and I went, wow, this just doesn't taste right. And I blamed mm-hmm. my cooking, when in fact, I looked at the bottle and went, no wonder I had to add salt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It, it just it does make a, quite a difference. I don't know, how often do you use soy sauce, Jamie? Well, you I mean, lot, not that. Yeah, but I don't use soy sauce all that often. No. Then when you do, use the real thing, because it does make a tremendous <laughs> You're being called it out by Jill. It's a tremendous taste <laughs> difference in anything that you're going to, you know, anything you're going to do. I, it's just, I, Glenn is right. I'm glad he brought that up because it's, taste is everything. When we Jill. eat, we eat with our eyes and we eat with our tongue. You know, we eat with taste. And I think the real taste is what we're going for. Listen, I'll just have potatoes, okay? Because here's the deal. <laughs> okay. uh, I have been a vegetarian for 36 years and I, I've given up on taste. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> 
It's okay. I eat like every once in a while, my son will take a bite of my food and he'll be like, that's actually good. I'm like, I don't eat dog food all the time, but I feel like sometimes I do. And I'm used to like having mm-hmm. like food is not a real special thing for me. It is when you bring these awesome recipes though. So I got to um, tell you, fried rice though is something that I will make a lot just vegetarian. I will just make it with vegetables. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Put mushrooms in it. There's many, many things you can do with fried rice. Yeah. This right. is just the leftover ham recipe. But yes, there's lots you can do with fried rice. Listen, I'm not trying to start a fight with you. You're the one who told me I had to use the other soy sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll put this recipe in the show notes. Now, when does your book come out? Can people get it yet? The new book is going to it's going to be released in in April. It's on oh, Amazon it's already for pre-order and I'm expecting to get a box full of books any day now. I can't wait to see it. It's cuz it's been 3 years because of the pandemic. It was really something getting it published, but you know, two it's of going your favorite, to be favorite uh, podcast hosts get books. As a matter of fact, I believe that they do. Oh, good. Don't good. shill for free stuff. Come on. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Why not? Because I <laughs> talk about how wonderful they are. Actually, I think it's a great book, and we had a wonderful time writing it um, two years ago, and I can hardly wait to see it because I can hardly remember what we put in it in the, in the first place <laughs> What's now. it called again? So much time is gone. The Cowgirls Cook for the Great Outdoors. Okay, I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes so people can pre-order it. Yeah, it's you can see it on Amazon. And all my other books are on Amazon. You just type in my name on Amazon under author, and they'll all come up. There's quite a few of them. And you can get it. Why would you get a Kindle version of a cookbook? That doesn't make sense to me for some reason. It doesn't. No, I know. I, I prefer putting it on the kitchen counter where you can lean over and read it, you know, because I've actually dropped my cell phone. You know, it just doesn't work. Into the beef stew, cell phones don't like that too much. Uh, Uh, No, no. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things in the cookbook, I'm looking here at Amazon, is beer batter pancakes with citrus bourbon syrup. Yep. (sighs) Yep. Combining alcohols there. (laughs) What's better for breakfast? (laughs) It cooks away. It cooks away. Yeah, yeah, fact, okay. You said that before. The rest of the yeah. day with a hangover. <laughs> no, there's some pretty there's some pretty good recipes out there. That's for sure. I love We've you because doing it. one of the other recipes is hearty Dutch oven nachos with a cold glass of moonshine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you make the moonshine as a recipe for that too? Actually, no. there is. Oh. There, there really is a recipe for moonshine yes. in this book. Something you can get into, Jamie. God, I love her. I just love her so much. Thanks, Jill. Appreciate you being Thank here. You. Thank you both. And take care of those chickens, Jamie. I can hardly get to see more pictures. I had bantams, and I was crazy about those chickens. They were wonderful. They have personalities. You know, they, they bond with you. I think they're wonderful. Oh, these two Maybe. little silkies that we got, Lucas and I are like, we need to go to chicken shows. I'll show the black one. He's going to show the white one. Yes, we're we're planning on all of this. I need to. Go I'm to so it. glad. I'm so glad. <laughs> people overlook chickens as pets. <laughs> oh, they're awesome. They, they're wonderful. And they're great pasture control, too. Wonderful. 
Oh, yeah. Just scraping around out there. You know, you don't have to go out with a rake and break up all those clods. You don't have to do it. They do it for you. They're wonderful. Just great to talk to you, too. Have a happy, happy Easter. Let me know how these recipes turn out for you, and I'll see you next month. All right. Thanks, all right. Jill. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. I love doing the cooking segments. I really do. We all I just cook. really like her. Like yes. I just like I just want to like so sit fun. next to her and like wine and dine. I wonder know? how many people are now ordering the book because of the moonshine <laughs> recipe. I mean, come on, <laughs> that's a very hush hush thing. She's just throwing it out there. I love it. Well, weird news is going to be in the post show this week. So if you want to get the post show, become an auditor. Head on over to horseradionetwork.com. Click on the auditor banner upper right hand corner of the page for as little as three dollars a month. You too can get all the extras of the post show. I hope tonight. I think it's going to be tonight or tomorrow night. I'm going to be doing a video Facebook Live of the new studio here. It's all set up, Jamie. It's a lot better than last time I showed you. Um, I'm so proud. Actually, I love it. I think it's. I think it's better than the last one. I just love how it looks. It came out great. Um, and one of my highlights, I'll show it in the video tonight, uh, that makes me happy every time I walk in, is the Fergus painting that uh, Jean Abernathy did of Helena and I when we were doing the the art show. She did a painting during the art show that we did during uh, during COVID times of Helena and I and Fergus in the middle. And it's just so bright and colorful. It makes me happy. Thank you, Jean, for doing that. Appreciate that. I know she listens to the show sometimes. So thank you. I hope you heard that. Post show, wait around auditors. We'll be doing some weird news. Where we got them from this time, by the way? Oh my gosh. <clears throat> Aaron, Ruth, Ellen, Laureen, Jenny, Amy, and Casey all basically sent stories from guess where? Oklahoma. No, not at all. Stick around. You'll find out. Oh, I'm supposed to play the closing music, isn't I? Here we go. <laughs> See y'all. Unbelievable. You have one job. A really bad ads on Friday. Get your ads into Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Today, neuter gown, y'all. Well, auditors, you get a special treat today. We're doing weird news in the post-show, which means we can be a little more graphic. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Aside from one little blip of a story coming to us from Kentucky, guess where the other stories are all from, Oh, no, don't tell me. Oklahoma. No. <laughs> that would be Florida, my friend. That would be Florida. We're going to start with some. Um, I'm the just weird. People come out in the spring in Florida. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I try not to post all of the, uh, do all of the stories in Florida, but I get probably about five a week. Do you think our news <laughs> just reports some more? I think that's what it is. We just have better news organizations. Right? I don't know. This first story would only happen in Florida. Okay. <laughs> Mostly. I think maybe one other, maybe Louisiana, but Florida is where this one's going to happen. And I just want to read you the Lake County Sheriff's Office tweet, because there's nothing that I love more than a good tweet from a, a, a sheriff's department. OK, um, so here we go. DFC Faust and Deputy Brownsberger responded to a call at Montverde Academy in reference to a three-foot alligator that had decided to try out for the swim team. <laughs> <laughs> Preventing 
the actual team from practicing. <laughs> Deputy Brownsberger was able to stay, use the safety hook, bring him to the edge where Deputy Faust reached down and grabbed the gator. His mouth was then secured with electric tape and temporary, temporarily <laughs> detained so they could safely transport him to Lake Up. A popka, where the gator was released on his own recognizance. Are all deputies in Florida trained for alligator catching? Right? I mean, like, <laughs> you know what? Hey, Bubba, you just bring it on over here. I'll reach in and get it. It'll it's, be fine. God, our police are asked to do a lot of things, especially this is in not, Florida. This is a three-foot alligator. There's tons of pictures of it. This comes from clickorlando.com. You can see. Yeah, they have teeth. The f- <laughs> yes. That can do some damage, not going to lie. It's not like the little ones that they have at all the roadside stands down here that you can hold, you know. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. (laughs) Come over here, I'll get you. All right, well, now we're going to head to Floyd County, Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky's joining the fun. What could you imagine? Two states I've lived in, Florida and Kentucky. store is in Kentucky all over the place because they're all over Walmart. Oklahoma as well. Close. Dollar General. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of those here, too. <laughs> yes, they're taking over the world. Um, so employees at a Dollar General store. By the way, store, can I just stop you there for a second? Are yours as dirty as ours? I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. I mean, I occasionally I've stopped because they're on their way and I just had to pick up something quick. Boy, they're a mess. <laughs> I went in one. And it was just like, there's like stuff everywhere. It's yeah. like somebody started to stock and, and then it like They fell have like one employee and, and they have to check people out and stock. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I'll be right there. Hold on. <laughs> uh, so employees at a Dollar General store in Martin, Kentucky had a very irritated shopper paid them a visit last Wednesday. Um... Wild so pig. The, the photo, it's from the Floyd County Sheriff's Department. The Facebook post goes, this little fellow was captured tonight inside a store after employees called and reported it being inside. Deputies and troopers were able to safely capture this and remove him from the store. He was released without injury. There are some pictures in front of all the deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it was trying to climb the deodorant aisle, and somebody grabbed a giant bobcat by the Whoa. scruff of the neck, Glenn. It's not like they put one of those loops around his neck. There is a literal police officer holding a bobcat by the scruff of the neck. Again, the, are they trained to do that? <laughs> by the expression on the bobcat's face, he's pissed. <laughs> he is super super pissed they did say thankfully no employees or customers were injured and neither was the bobcat who was released into the wild dollar general did not respond for comment <laughs> by the way i looked that up that's in the mountains that's in the mountains east of lexington uh near hazard county everybody's heard of hazard county so that's there where you the go Duke boys are. oh yeah <laughs> those florida cops and uh kentucky cops they're tough they've been you. bringing it strong this week yeah go to florida but i realized i never told you the crazy i mean awesome people that read these weird news stories and send them to me okay before i get to the next one i want to thank aaron ruth ellen laureen jenny amy and casey although one of you sent me a news story that it well it's it's not even appropriate for post show oh (laughs) well I've never seen any like I my sister-in-law is a doctor and I'm going to bring her these radiographs and like <laughs> let her read them because it doesn't make any sense. You know who you are, you know what I'm talking about. 
That was disgusting. Stop sending me radiographs <laughs> of things in people's body parts. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and it always seems like they're out of China. I believe this was, was India. Yeah. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Listen. That was too much. Um, <laughs> moving on. Let's go to the Kennedy Space Center. Oh, what could possibly Florida. go wrong at the Kennedy Space Center? I mean, really. A 21-year-old Castleberry woman was arrested on Friday. Uh, apparently, she was traveling east in her car at 110 miles in a 55-mile-per-hour zone. On Playa Linda Beach Road, that would seem like a road that there would be a vast amount of pedestrians. Yes. And so stoplights. <laughs> the officer got behind the car to conduct a traffic stop, and then the car slowed down. But then the driver sped up and tried to outrun the cop car on a beach road, traveling around several vehicles reckless at a high rate of speed. The officer continued to follow the car with his lights activated, stopped the car at a guard gate of the Playa Linda Beach engine. What is she doing? Drive into the ocean? <laughs> According she, to the affidavit, she was arrested. She said, I didn't know the speed limit. I was just trying to get to the beach. <laughs> Let me guess, alcohol involved. Uh, it did not say that, but she was taken to the Brevard County Jail. She said she panicked when she noticed the police car behind her, which is why she sped up after initially slowing down. Well, probably that first go at 110 miles an hour <laughs> down a beach road wasn't the best decision. <laughs> well, uh, no, you know, no. the beach was calling. Salina Colon Colon is uh, uh, in the Brevard County Jail right now. Yeah, it is spring break time here too. So uh, there's. I, I got. I got one more for And this time we're gonna go to the very bottom of Florida, mm. Miami. Is it, um, oh, this, Miami's been having some trouble this week. Oh Lord! With spring breakers. So Paul Drexler had arrived into Miami to officiate a friend's wedding. After a long day of traveling, he unlocked his room at an Airbnb around 2 a.m., went in on the bed. It was made, ready to be slept in. There was two clean towels sitting on the bed. I thought it was obviously it's the Airbnb. He had he rented like a room and a house. Uh, so he just went to bed. I mean, it was 2 in the morning. He was exhausted. He says, quote, the next morning I get woken up by a knock on the door. I was surprised the guy knocked on his own door. He goes, can I help you? This is my house. And I'm like, I'm sleeping. This is an Airbnb that I rented. And he goes, quote, no, this is my house. The homeowner <laughs> quickly showed him out. And Drexler found his actual Airbnb right next door. <laughs> <laughs> So he basically just broke into somebody's house. Like <laughs> he says, in hindsight, now I look back and all the clues were there that this is not the right Airbnb. But at two o'clock in the morning, your brain's just like, this is it. This is the one. This is the best possible outcome of breaking into someone's home and spending the night in their bed. I could have been woken up by a very angry homeowner. Yeah, really with a gun. It's, it is Florida. <laughs> it is Florida. He's lucky he didn't get shot. He does say after this mix-up, he'll now double and even triple-check the address did next he time he stays. Did he have a key or was the door open? It says here, I got the address wrong. 
He said, I I went from the Airbnb app to the Google Maps and then to the Uber, and the address became the house right next door. He said he walked in. He just walked right in the house, so the guy didn't mm, lock his front door. He's locking his front door now. <laughs> Sorry, Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Our Florida, almost completely Florida edition of <laughs> Weird News, brought to you by Aaron, Ruth, Ellen, Lorraine, Jenny, Amy, and Casey, and... Uh, you guys are awesome. Keep them coming. And no more disgusting radiograph <laughs> news stories from India. Hey, we have a <laughs> couple of minutes yet. Can I tell you about what we've been finding at our house? So um, I told you about the people. Spiders? That, no. I told you about the people that lived here before. They were, they, they were this 80-year-old Puerto Rican couple. And a lot, there are a lot of Spanish in the neighborhood. And remember I told you they had an outside kitchen in the garage because that's where you cook the spicy stuff. Well, they, and I told you about the backyard. Uh, you know, the backyard is is unique, and everybody, all the auditors that have been here now will be will vouch for this. So they because my I grew up Catholic, and they were very Catholic in Puerto Rico. Uh, they had this huge enclosure for a Madonna statue that is as tall as me. It's six foot tall, and it's painted bright blue. The statue's actually in there? No, they took the statue, and they left okay. us with the concrete structure that goes around the statue. I'll take a picture of it and post it in the auditor room. So uh, that was just one of the things. And then the other things, we have these cherubs that are on statues of cherubs in the backyard uh, that are kind of bizarre. Um, but then the other thing we've been finding, we've been trying to clean up the backyard because remember I said they had it so full of stuff you couldn't even see the yard. Mm -hmm. So they took all that out and left a lot of like glass broken and all kinds of stuff. We've been cleaning for weeks the backyard to get it cleaned up so you don't hurt yourself. And all this random stuff. Well, now we've started to discover for some reason they had metal grates and I'm talking about oven grates and Mostly oven grates, these metal oven grates that are just buried in the yard, just below the grass. So we'd be walking along and I'd step on something that would, and they would use these like tent stakes to pound them into the grass. Huh. So I don't know why, but I've pulled three of them up the other day. And today Jennifer found one before the show and she started pulling it up. Well, it just goes on and on. It's like five feet long. And it's just one metal grate attached to another metal grate. Like buried in the... Under the grass. Just under the grass, about an inch down. And we don't was know... It, was we, it their bobcat cage I that they kept? I don't know. If anybody has any explanation why somebody would have metal grates buried under the entire yard for some reason, let us know. This I mean, one actually goes on... We, we tore up part of it that we could get up. And then we discovered it actually goes under the concrete patio. Oh, my God. That must be some sort of, like, leveling thing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. And it's all these know. random stakes that they used, all the leftover scraps. They used scraps for everything. So they used they used door slides. And you know the metal door slides they have for drawers or drawer yeah. slides? Well, they used those and bent over the ends and pounded them into the ground as stakes to hold these things <laughs> It is just the most bizarre. Do you have their phone oh. number? Can you call them? I mean, I would be like, mm, okay, whatever. So like when we, Chad and I were doing some stuff in our front yard in Arizona, this is what I thought you were going to say was we were digging a hole to, I think to plant a tree and a, my shovel hit something. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to know what that is. Like, okay. So we pull it up and it's a statue 
And it is a statue. We had to, they buried we had to the research statue? it. They buried a statue of St. Joseph. Apparently, it helps you sell your house or something. If you bury it? You bury a statue of St. Joseph. do you think plunking on the saint. roof would be better? <laughs> right? You bury a statue in your yard, and it's like supposed to either like help you sell your house or keep your house like blessed. I don't know. I'm not Catholic, so I, I don't know. But there's like a saint that you bury a plastic statue. So we pulled this thing up, and I was like, oh, my God. What did we do? Did we just like <laughs> oh, unleash some sort now. of curse? I was like, put You're it back. losing everything. <laughs> put it back in there quick. So we reburied it <laughs> because I'm like, I don't know what the story is behind this, but like apparently it's a it's a thing that Catholic people do is you bury a statue in your yard. So I don't again, think we ever did that uh, when I was growing up. I don't think my mom and dad went that far. No. Uh, I'll post pictures in the auditor room of our statuary in the backyard. Uh, and, you know, and I think that the thing that Madonna lived in is going to have to stay because it must weigh a ton. You'd need a crane to get it out. It's all concrete. So Jennifer's going to try and put a fountain in it. We're gonna... I was going to say we could probably put some sort of beautiful horse statue well, in it. Well, we thought about that or a fountain. She's always wanted a fountain, so we might put a fountain in of some sort in it. I don't know. Um, it's your koi know. pond. But if anybody has any explanation why people bury oven grates in the yard, let me know. Because this last one, now I have to buy a bolt cutters because we have to cut it from where it goes under the concrete. Oh, my God, that's so annoying. <laughs> why people? Yeah, I don't know. You know, our auditors seem to know everything. I hope they can come up with an answer for that one. But uh, we have to go. So let's call it a day. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back Friday with your really bad ads. So get them in. We have new prizes, as we said last week. Oh, I Googled it. What did it say? <clears throat> did you actually come up with something? Yes. <laughs> really? Are I you sitting Googled down? That. You should sit down. Do you know why they put metal grates? Oh, you're making this up. That sounds like you're making no. it up. No, you need to sit down. <laughs> What the fuck? Why do they put metal grates in the ground? Yeah. They put them over graves because people would steal the body of the recently buried. You think There's a, dead bodies in your yard. You think and that's they put a Latin metal thing? grates. Why would they put metal grates over graves? Is because people would steal the bodies of the recently buried from medical schools? Oh my God! They were added to the burial tradition in hope of where that happened. I'm gonna, I'll click it. Why not? Let's (laughs) clickbait. I'm not gonna tell Jennifer this. Oh my God! You have, do you have bodies in your yard? It looks like it's very old. Very, they're showing like, no, this Detroit. Yeah, I don't think that's the case here. Where? Well, who knows. I'm not going to dig there. Now I'm not digging in any of those spots. Don't dig any deeper. <laughs> no. Don't do it. <laughs> Maybe they buried pets. They did it to prevent grave robberies and prevent animals from digging up the remains of the dead. Holy shit balls. You're living <laughs> on a fucking burial ground. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm sorry you looked that up. <laughs> Holy shit, you're in trouble. Jennifer's listening to this. She's probably looking it up right now. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yeah. It's to keep animals and people from digging into hey, the Hey, Jennifer, graves. the house is now up for sale. We're moving again. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have Googled that. Now I'm creeped no. out. <laughs> Great. All right. Thanks you're welcome. That. You're welcome. I'm going now. I got to put the for sale sign out. <laughs>